You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of Special Reports on Legal Talk Network. This is Lawrence Coletti and I'm the host for today's show, which is being recorded on location at the American Bar Association's annual meeting in Chicago, Illinois. We're here to cover this event and its highlights for you, our listeners. And joining me now, I have three guests. I'm going to start to my left. I have Mr. Casey Troopin. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I have Mr. Brandon Smith. Also, welcome to the show. Thank you. And I have the Executive Director from ACLU Iowa, Mr. Jeremy Rosen. Thank you. Glad to be here. Great, guys. Well, listen, before we get started, um, for the benefit of our audience, I want to just learn a little bit more about you. So if you could just tell me where you work and what you do, and I think we'll start with Jeremy this time. Sure. I'm the Executive Director of the American Civil Liberties Union of Iowa, which is the, the Iowa State Affiliate of the National ACLU, and we do litigation, policy advocacy, and public education uh, to focus on defending civil rights and civil liberties. Excellent. Excellent. And Brandon? I practice in civil litigation in Columbia, South Carolina. I'm in commercial litigation, products liability for the law firm of Nelson Mullins, Riley, and Scarborough. Okay. Casey? I am the coordinating attorney for the Children and Youth Project for Columbia Legal Services in the state of Washington, and I do systemic advocacy related to children and youth, and I also work with the ABA, uh, both with the Commission on Homelessness and Poverty and the Section of Litigation, Children's Rights Litigation Committee. Okay, excellent. Uh, let's get to it. So uh, you, you all presented at an event called Combating the Criminalization of Homelessness, the Role of Young Lawyers. So I'm looking for a volunteer. Could somebody give me the 50,000-foot explanation on that? Sure, I'll jump into that one. Really wonderful to have the opportunity to present this session. Uh, it's a very important topic looking at you know what the criminal justice system involvement is for people who are homeless and how to prevent them from being involved in that system. And the purpose of our panel this morning really was to talk about all the different ways that folks in the Young Lawyers Division can be involved with that. And there are so many really ranging from providing legal help to individual homeless people, to helping to uh, talk to legislators and politicians and city councils, to setting up a homeless court, which I know uh, my colleague will talk about, to really engaging in uh, litigation to defend the rights of homeless people. The homeless courts, uh, uh, Brandon, you and I were talking about that right before we uh, started our show here, but uh, I want to get to that. But um, when we say um, young lawyers, how you can get involved, and so just you know, for the benefit of, of us, like myself, that are not as familiar, what kind of legal issues are typical to homeless people in our country? So I think they really run the gamut um, from citations for offenses that people who have houses uh, generally don't commit. Give me an example. Well, yeah, an example would be um, sitting on a sidewalk, um, sleeping in a park, uh, taking the tr trolley when you don't have money, maybe even taking it to work uh, or taking a bus. Um, citations that just get worse and worse as time goes on, given that people don't have the money to pay them, they can they can even end up in people getting incarcerated, which is a, a, an avoidable cost to our system and really a, um, something that just creates more problems down the road. You know, there's a lot of examples. Young people as well have issues with criminalization of homelessness, get involved in the juvenile justice system for a relatively minor offense, but get fees and fines placed on them that prevent them from 
sealing their juvenile records and ultimately prevent them from getting housing or employment or um, higher education and push them into uh, further into homelessness. Um, so really, there is a lot of ways that the, the criminal justice system and the civil justice system are um, working to both push um, young people and veterans and families and single adults into homelessness and unfortunately, I think, unwittingly conspire to keep them there. Okay, and so I'm just going to go out on a limb here. And so when you're piling up citations and you're getting these different offenses charged and uh, and enforced against you, my guess is it makes it more difficult to get out of homelessness. You know, so some of the issues that are already hard enough, you're there. Um, obviously, it's not a good existence to be in. So these things are are uh, giving people a hard time to get out. So let's let's get to the homeless courts. So uh, tell me what a homeless court is. I'm I'm familiar with uh, small claims courts, uh, but I, I've never heard of a homeless court. Uh, forgive me for my ignorance. So Brandon, well, a homeless court is an alternative or a specialty court where persons that are homeless, either at the time of the offense or uh, at, the, at the present time, can have their claims resolved and adjudicated from citation to disposition in an alternative way to get them treatment over sanctions, the, the traditional sanctions that we think of, such as fines, jail time, and so forth. And so we've looked in, in many ways partnered with the ABA to, for us as, as a you know, private law firm, not to address, you know, the merits of the laws as they exist, uh, the criminalization of homelessness, but more to look at, okay, what are they and what are the solutions in light of the playing field? A, what, what solutions exist for them that we can make the most of and, and leverage to help benefit homeless persons? So homeless court is a, by design, it's a venue for persons that are experiencing homelessness to come adjudicate their claims. And a staple of that, and, and even a best practice for that, is the court comes to the homeless population. For example, in our, in Columbia, South Carolina, our court, our city magistrate judge picks up with her robe, her bailiff, her court reporter, and comes and sets up a table. And there are two, two benches, one for prosecution, one for defense, and, and they adjudicate the case there. The gallery is filled with homeless persons, some of which are participating in the program, some are not. And the idea behind that is to get, one, get the awareness out that homeless people can adjudicate their claims, but also defray some of the stigmas that come with coming to court Homeless persons may not have transportation, they may be intimidated, but they may not know what to do as part of that process, uh, which is completely understandable. So providing that means for them to go have their matter heard where they already are is, is very positive. Yeah, I you know think about the the court system and how I often think that there are so few happy days in a in a courtroom. Um, adoption is one, and maybe there's a marriage going on. This is one of those examples where if you go to a homeless court, you see somebody who's been really under the thumb of of citations which were largely unavoidable, and they've taken all the steps which any judge could have hoped to have ordered them. They've um, been sober, they've um, done job contacts, but they can't move on because they have um, outstanding citations and that are piling up the threat of um, somebody um, executing a warrant on them. You know, you go to uh, the homeless court in San Diego or, or Columbia or, or any one of the three dozen cities where this exists, and it's amazing to see the, the judge sitting there and telling the person, 
it's great that you've done what you've done. You know, let's, let's take the citations away and let you get on with your life. And, um, the way that they see the justice system, you can see change from literally one moment to the next, which is more powerful than I think a lot of what we do in terms of trying to change the opinion of the legal system. Yeah, you've really gone from a situation where, you know, people's view of the legal system is that it's doing everything possible to keep them down and make their life more difficult to people recognizing, you know what, the legal system now has done something that allows me to move on with my life. They've freed me from all the some of the legal problems and issues that were holding me back, and now I can truly move on. So it's, a, it's just a wonderful opportunity for people and wonderful for the criminal justice system because we all forget that there is a significant cost to the criminal justice system for having to deal with all of these citations. People are in and out of court. There are police time. Uh, there's often jail time. Those things are expensive. So not only is homeless court really beneficial for people who are homeless, but it's beneficial for the justice system because it frees that system up to deal with the more important, more serious cases that it should be dealing with. So I heard, uh, I heard treatment when you were talking about the homeless court. And my guess is that is an integral part of the so overall solution here. And so uh, if, you, if you may, uh, or if you could, can you, can you describe that part of it, the treatment aspect of the homeless courts? Absolutely. And this is one of the best parts of the homeless court is that it can be catered to an individual's needs. Uh, so if someone ha needs treatment such as AA, that can be provided as a part of their uh, alternative treatment if they need job help and counseling, um, that can be a part of it. If they need life skills training, mental health counseling, uh, volunteer work and community service is sometimes an option as well that helps people get back on the right track. But the important consideration, I think, for the ABA and the policy that they've put forth is it's very sound in the sense that they are looking to move away from traditional sanctions and, and look at the individual. And if you look at the individual, you, that's where you can pinpoint the need. And if you can pinpoint the need and help them have ownership over, that is my need, the court has addressed my need, they've given me the treatment that I, I need to get back on my feet and, and on a path to self-sufficiency, there's buy-in from the participant. And there's also buy-in from the community. Because the community sees, hey, this is an alternative way for people that would otherwise maybe be out on the streets. You go from the streets to self-sufficiency, any community is going to be happy about that. So the treatment options themselves can be very well catered to the individual, and that's really that's ultimately the goal. In some cases, you actually see the homeless court has sentenced people to be housed, and not in jail, <laughs> which you might think of as, as a, the sort of sentence that the criminal justice system would deliver. But, it, you know, it's wonderful to see a situation where somebody who's homeless not only gets, you know, court fines and other citations cleared up, but also can just find a place to live. And when you consider that, you know, the reason most folks wind up there really is because at some point or another they lost their housing and couldn't get it back just to fix that problem and then to kind of wipe the slate clean from a sanctions perspective 
for most folks, you know, that means that, that they're not going to wind up again in the criminal justice system. So I want to touch on that, the homelessness part of it. And so, you know, I think, you know, as the country continues to ail from the recession and people are still getting back on their feet and there's been decrease in income and savings are being rebuilt, uh, I think everybody can relate to that a little bit. And so I'd like to connect the dots, you know, with people that right now have a job and they're working really hard, maybe at a, even at a reduced, you know, reduced salary, you know, what are the reasons that people become homeless? I mean, it happens to everybody. You know, you, you look at the statistics, you know, everybody, you, your car could be up. And so maybe if you guys don't mind, could you share with me some of the reasons that people become homeless? How do they get into that kind of dire straits? Where does it begin? Well, I know that um, Brandon and Jeremy will touch on um, some of the things that happen um, as adults um, or to adults that, that um, like domestic violence. But if I could take it back even earlier um, to the connection to childhood that um, that shows up in so many of the histories of people who are homeless that we've got these systems um, which are not serving young people well that are inc- highly increasing their likelihood of ending up on the streets. So if you look at how many people who are adults and are homeless who have a juvenile justice background um, that could have been handled differently, the correlation between foster care and adult homelessness is incredibly high. Uh, the correlation between unserved uh, mental health needs as a young person, disproportionate discipline in the schools, all of these things, if we were to address those things before the person turned 18, we would significantly reduce the, the number of adults who are on the streets. I mean, just, just a, a sea change, and, and we can do that. And I think the ABA, especially through the Young Lawyers Division, has started to work on that through their Project Street Youth, which is to get young lawyers involved in, in clinics and other uh, efforts to address youth homelessness. But that, that is a big part of what we're seeing is that if you go and look at people who are homeless, you know, who are in their 40s or 50s, and you ask, where were you when you were 15? A lot of them say, I was on the streets, I was in foster care, I, was, I had been arrested for something, and, and, and we did not get the, what they needed uh, to them at that time. And so I know, and Brandon and Jeremy can, can talk more eloquently about what happens after 18 to, um, to push people onto the streets. The overarching point, Lawrence, that I think is key here is the humanity of homeless people that's often forgotten. Because many of the folks that do find themselves experiencing homeless, homelessness uh, have come into difficult circumstances. And that can't be forgotten. Many of our homeless population are, are veterans that have served our country, that have served it proud, and that we look to for, uh, we should look to with gratitude and humility and respect, as opposed to looking to ease a problem or uh, dehumanize in some way. So I think to recognize that it is about our humanity at a core and and keeping that in mind as we look to address specific problems. Just to piggyback on what my colleagues have said, I think their comments are actually right, but it really is true, as you phrased it in the question, that so many people are just one missed paycheck, one lost job away from homelessness. Um, so many homeless people, you know, fewer than 10% of the homeless population are people who have lived on the streets for a very long time and are severely disabled. That's an important part of the population, and there are folks working to end homelessness for people on the street. But the other 90% of homeless people, and that's of those even just considered homeless, let alone the other 
million at least homeless people, including more than a million homeless children, youth who are not even considered homeless for the, from the federal government, but are people who don't have their own housing and are doubled up, meaning that they, their families are, you know, have lost their housing and moved in with friends, relatives, cousins, sisters, brothers, some other family member rather than living on the street. All these folks are people um, who just, you know, in so many cases had one bad thing happen to them. Somebody lost a job, somebody went into the hospital, and they had bad insurance or no insurance, and so they wound up with a $50,000 medical bill that couldn't be paid. And frankly, the only difference between many folks in those situations and and me is, you know, having family support when, when something rough hits. When you have that support, you find a place to go. You find people to help you. If you don't, a crisis hits and you're liable to lose your housing, have no place to go. I want to transition into the second part of your title. And so we've talked a little bit about you know, who the homeless are, why they become homeless, uh, some of the issues that they're dealing with, uh, the legal issues in particular. But uh, the, the second part of your, uh, your title is called the, Ro- the Role of Young Lawyers. And so uh, I guess I'll ask the question. This, uh, it's got to be our last one because we're running short on time. But uh, what is the role of young lawyers when it comes to dealing with uh, homeless people? In two words, it's get engaged. Um, there is uh, no limit to the amount of ways that people uh, who are young lawyers can get in, engaged in this. You've got opportunities like the one that Brandon is doing, which is creating or participating in a homeless court. You can participate in a Project Street Youth Clinic. Um, we had examples of people doing policy work, um, which is always needed, whether it's helping craft legislation or defeat bad legislation. It, it's really something that can be tailored to the community that um, that the young lawyer is in. And because there um, are so many people who are homeless and so many often misguided attempts to deal with that, there's a uh, never-ending uh, supply of roles that young lawyers can play. So you can be a traditional lawyer and, and work on individual cases. You can work on policy. People listen to lawyers, and, and that is an incredible power that can be well served by serving the people who are most powerless. And, and when they don't, we sue people. <laughs> so, so that's kind of the other end of it. There's so many important things to do before we get there, but, but if we have to, there's a lot of litigation that goes on to kind of force the legal rights of homeless people. And, and uh, when our policymakers don't listen to us and don't do smart and wise things, uh, sometimes we'll even resort to that. I think for the young lawyer, too, is just to look how can I start small? What's one small step that I can take to get engaged? And that may mean going to where that population is. Go to a homeless shelter. Um, serve a meal. Maybe you're not even directing, directly giving them legal advice. But participate in a legal clinic. Those exist. You don't have to start your own. And see how you can meet those needs with your expertise because you have a lot to offer. Sometimes it's just listening. Other times it's direction. Sometimes it's taking on a case. But I think it's starting small with one client, one clinic, um, and, and making connections within your community to say, how can we address this back to the holistic perspective? How can we address this in a holistic way? Well, that was uh, well said, gentlemen, and uh, very compelling. So uh, just uh, one last little thing to ask you. If our listeners want to reach out and uh, learn a little bit more about this from you and uh, what you presented, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, we'll start with you, Jeremy Rosen. Uh, absolutely. I'm at the ACLU of Iowa. We've got a public website at www.aclu, 
www.ia.org where we've got lots of material on that and you will find my contact information there as well. Brandon? You can just email me. I'm brandon.smith at nelsonmullins.com, also on Twitter. Excellent. And uh, Casey? I would say Google two things. One would be the ABA Commission on Homelessness and Poverty, and the other one would be the ABA YLD Project Street Youth, and and I think that's the best way to start, and, and you can find me through those, certainly. This has been another edition of Special Reports. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you, Lawrence. Thanks, Lawrence. Thank you. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. 